1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast for episode 102. I'm here today with Simi Botich. She is obsessed with coffee, beach vacations, and the 90s. A corporate attorney turned health coach, she helps women nourish and nurture their bodies and lives. So they can live fully. You can get instant access to her free three-part Breaking Up With Binges video series on her website or check out how Simi works with women privately in her virtual intuitive eating program, Finally Free. You can check her out on her website, simibotich.com or on Instagram where she's all over. It's awesome. I love it. So before we introduce uh, Simi officially and have her get on here, here is the review of the week. It comes from... Let's see, this one comes from Express Angel. And she says, down to earth and life-changing with five stars. This is quickly becoming one of my very favorite podcasts. Maddie is so down to earth and relatable, but she's also insightful and wise beyond her years. Having dealt with anorexia, orthorexia, and exercise addiction for many years, it is great to find a podcast that addresses all of these topics and also provides hope to those who deal with them. Maddie has a wide range of guests who provide many different points of view and have helped open my mind to different ways of thinking. Listening to this podcast is one of the highlights of my week. Maddie is an awesome host and an awesome gal. Give this podcast a listen and you won't be sorry. Thank you express angel. I'm so delighted that you love the podcast that worms my show. Um, and I've mentioned this before, like I said, leaving a review on my show is a great free way to support the podcast, but I also wanted to remind you guys of another way to support the show that I haven't brought up in uh, like at least two dozen episodes, but that is by becoming a patron and you can do that by going to maddymoon.com slash pledge. And it's also the link to it is on every single podcast episode at the bottom underneath all the show notes. It just says, um, support the podcast by donating as little as $1 per episode. So that's what you can do. You can donate $1 per show. So if you feel like this show has been contributing to your life, it's been adding to your journey. It's helped you and you appreciate all the guests. One great way to To help me out in producing these and putting them up. And I mean, podcasting does take money and I love it so much that I will never stop. I mean, maybe one day, but I don't plan on stopping for a long time. So if you want to support me while I do this, while I share this information with you guys, you can do it for as little as a dollar, just a buck per show. And like I said, that link is on the show notes for this. Um, either that or leaving a review. Both of those serve um, this show and help me so much greatly. So thank you for everyone that does contribute to the podcast success. Okay, without further ado, welcome to the show, gorgeous, lovely, beautiful Simmy.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today.
1: Yeah, this is so fun. I'm just so stoked to have you on because you... We, me and you have connected offline. You know, We mm-hmm. connected a while ago, and you're really close with one of my good friends, Katie Dalebout, and she speaks so highly of you. So it's fun to, to finally get you on this show. It's been long overdue.
0: I'm so excited to, to be here with you.
1: So the first thing I have all my guests do, as you may know if you listen to the show, is talk about your background and your story. And I want you to make it as rich and detailed as you want, because I think that's where a lot of the meat of people's messages come from. So lay it on us. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Um I definitely can remember struggling um with body image from a really, really young age. I can actually remember one day um it was the summertime and I was probably in I don't know first grade, second grade and I had probably been outside playing in shorts and my thighs were a little bit chubby and so they rubbed together and I got this rash between my thighs from my thighs rubbing together and I came in and I had to lay with like a cold washcloth between my thighs and it was like in that moment that I thought, okay, like my body is too big, like my body's too chunky, it's too chubby. And that was sort of the start of a very, very long journey as I'm now 30. So first grade is a long time ago. Um, a long journey of struggling with body image manipulating food um to try and change to try and change my body. Um yo-yo dieting have suffered from um binge eating, over exercising, and uh about with orthorexia. So that um that really went on until I would say about four years ago. It followed me um through high school, it followed me through undergrad, it followed me through law school Um, It really peaked during law school because of the the environment of law school is a very controlled and driven environment, and it really was the perfect storm for me to take my disordered eating to um, the most controlled level. Um, During law school, I was also training for marathons, and so my exercise addiction was easy to feed during that time with long runs and then, you know, hot yoga classes to try and like stretch out after those runs. That would be a really, really, um, common, common day for me. Um, and also during law school I was diagnosed with celiac disease. So, um, the celiac diagnosis also gave me a socially acceptable way to, um, to explain my controlled eating, I guess I would say. It didn't necessarily make me control my eating anymore, but it gave me a really, really easy way to explain it to other people. So like so many women, um, who I, who I know personally, and I know so many of the women who listen to this amazing podcast. Um, my story also has been a very, very long struggle with peaks and valleys and, um, you know, looking differently with food, sometimes binge eating, sometimes restricting, sometimes a mix of both, trying lots of different diets, um, manipulating my body with food and exercise. And it was about four years ago when I was practicing law that I finally came to a place where, um, I decided that I needed to get some help. And before that I had, um, spoken to nutritionists and, and things of that nature, but it was always to try and help me lose even more weight. So I would go and say like, you know, I really want to lose five more pounds. Like how can you help me do that? And what I realized about about four years ago is that what I needed was, um, was a different kind of help. I needed help repairing my relationship with food and breaking free of what had been such a long lifelong struggle. And basically what happened four and a half years ago is that I got married And on my honeymoon, I had a really, I had a really almost out of body experience where I had locked myself in, in the bathroom of our, um, of our hotel room on our honeymoon because I had eaten some food that I wasn't comfortable with that night at dinner and was sort of freaking out about it. Didn't know, um, didn't know how to practice compassion with myself or to be kind with myself. And I was feeling like a real failure. And very terrified of what that food would do to my body, um, so I locked myself in the bathroom. In the bathroom, and was crying and saying really awful things about myself. And um, you know, my husband was on the outside of the bathroom door, trying to calm me down and telling me how much he loved me. And I sort of had this moment where I realized that this struggle with food, um, not only. Not only was it just hard to deal with, not only were, were there times where it was exhausting and where I wanted things to be differently, but I also recognized that it was, you know, robbing my life of so many really important and valuable moments. And because of this battle that I had with myself and because of this lack of trust I had with my body and this lack of a personal relationship with myself, um, that I was not living fully and I was really missing out on some of the best moments that life had to offer. And so it was after that when we went home that I you know, started to do some research and came across a holistic health coach in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I, where I live and where I lived at the time. And I worked with her for six months and that was really the start of um, the transformation in my relationship with myself and my relationship with food and understanding that my relationship with food was really a mirror to everything else in my life. And I started to learn how to trust myself in very, very, very small ways. And then after working with that coach, I kept digging in, I kept doing more work with myself and continue to grow um, to the point where I was able to trust myself so much, a trust that started around food where I slowly started to trust myself a little bit a little bit around food, a little bit around exercise, and then that had an awesome ripple effect to the rest of my life where I found this deep connection with my intuition and ended up um, transitioning from the practice of law into becoming a health coach where I now am fortunate enough to help other women connect with themselves, to learn to trust themselves at first in really, really small ways, often around food, and then um, watch that have the same and similar ripple effect in their lives as they begin to trust themselves more fully, as they learn to take care of themselves, not only physically, but also emotionally. And then the cool thing is when they really get to start saying yes to their lives and start living fully and they create these, these lives that are built off of decisions that they make from this place of deep self trust, trust and intuition. And so that's really, um, that's, that's where I am today. And that's, what, uh, that's the work that I get to do to do with women.
1: Wow. I love your story. And what in a significant moment. I think so many of us have had that bathroom floor moment mm-hmm. where we just panic and think like, what did this food do to me? Like locking ourselves in the bathroom. But to have that happen on your honeymoon must have been a huge eye opener. Like you noticing like this, these are the best moments of your life. Like these are the moments you look back on, you say, oh my gosh, how much fun that was. Those were the days. And like here you are focusing on, on food.
0: Totally. It was such a blessing that it happened then. I mean, because like you said, you know, those moments, like we've all had those moments. I had had probably, you know, 5,000 moments like that before in my life. And it didn't mean anything when it was on some like random Tuesday, you know. But it meant something so much more to me in that moment. It was like all the stars aligned for me to finally like get it.
1: Yeah, I I can't even imagine. I'm sure. So leading up to that moment, when you were dating your husband, when y'all were just, um, dating and engaged, how did these issues affect you then? Like did, was food always something that kind of held y'all back or held you back?
0: I can see now in our relationship that it did, that it did hold me back and that it did hold us back in our connection. I've been with my husband now for about 10 years and we've been married for four and a half years. And when I look at sort of the trajectory of our relationship and our journey, I can see, um, how, how much more deeply connected we are now that I am more deeply connected with myself because I know myself better. I'm able to show up more authentically in our relationship. I'm able to be more honest about what I need and what's going on for me. And of course, because I'm able to do that, our relationship is, you know, a thousand times richer than it was before when I was like really, you know, hiding and shut off But um, the, The wonderful thing is that my husband has seen me, he's seen me through a lot of changes, um, you know, not only in terms of like my career, but also in my relationship with myself. And he was with me like before my celiac diagnosis and during my celiac diagnosis and after it. And so he saw like a lot of the health issues that I was dealing with. And he has also been with me when I was really struggling with body image and then when I was doing the really tough work. And that's incredibly emotional. Um, and then also now when I'm at a really, um, a really like natural and relaxed place with myself. And through all of it, he has loved me like so fearlessly and has been such an incredible supporter. But we do have, we do have a lot of conversations about how, how it was really hard for him and how it was very painful for him to hear me saying really like nasty things about myself. And as I'm sure, I'm sure like many women have shared with you, when I was really, you know, in, in it, in the really tough stuff with, with my body and with food, I was very, very, very private about it. And the only person who I opened up to about it was my husband. So what I was hiding from the rest of the world, a lot of times he would be the only person who would get a glimpse into the really like painful and emotional stuff that was, that was happening with me. Um, and I think that that sort of happened naturally because we not only, um, we not only lived together for two years before we got married, but also we had a physically intimate relationship. And so a lot of, a lot of the pain and insecurity would come up for me around, like, around sex and around, like, physically intimate, you know, situations. And so he would, like, he would have, he had a better idea about what I was struggling with and the pain that I was feeling really than anyone else. And I'm thankful that he, that he, you know, stuck it out and supported me and really was like my biggest cheerleader in getting like the real help that I needed. And now because of that, our relationship is in a much, um, in like a much better and deeper and more honest place than it was before.
1: Yeah. So how was he responding to you in those moments where you needed him? like say you're in you're in that moment and you just Mm -hmm. like you need to talk to him and you start expressing with him and sharing with him how did he respond that made you feel safe like did you have to first preface the conversation and say i need you to just listen and absorb what i'm saying and not try to fix it or like you know you know what i'm saying like how did he how is he there for you and how did it make you feel comfortable
0: it would have been great if I had been able to say those things before I had shared because now, now I know, like, if I'm, if I'm having a moment and I need to share something with him, I can say, like, I don't need you to fix this. I just need you to be here for me and give me a hug, like, and just listen. But at the time, I didn't really have any clarity at all. And so it would come out almost as like an emotional explosion, if that makes sense. So it would literally go from zero to a hundred. I would become, essentially like hysterical in like under 20 seconds. And at the time he still, in I mean, in his own way, he was trying to fix it, which wasn't the most helpful thing, but also he, he was like sticking it out and he was like being in the moment with me, even though he wanted to fix it. And I think like, if anything, he just expressed a lot of confusion because he would say like, I don't understand. I don't understand like how you're seeing these things like in yourself or where this is coming from because like it just isn't true. Like he would, you know, he could look at the situation very logically and say like, you just, you you ate like some French fries. Like you're not, you're not going to gain like 400 pounds. Like you've got to like, this is ridiculous, you know, but also he could see that like I wasn't thinking logically and I was in this very, very emotional place And so he would sort of try and talk to me logically at first, and then when he would realize that, like, that wasn't – that wasn't helping at all, then, like, eventually it would just end up, like, him hugging me. But, I mean, it was very clear that he was – like, he was very confused. He didn't understand it.
1: That's one of the things that I hear a lot from my clients and from listeners of the show, just, like, I – I want to be able to open up with my partner about this or talk more, but like they don't know how they want them to respond, like their partner to respond and their partners don't know how to respond. Totally. And I totally, yeah, I get those struggles. And, and what I think is important is re- you really need to know how you want them to respond and be open with them. And I definitely think prefacing the conversation helps big time saying like, I'm in that moment of um, frustration, anxiety, food, fears, blah, blah, blah. And I just need you to be here and listen and maybe tell me everything's going to be okay. Like whatever it is for you <laughs> that you really like, it helps a lot. If you just tell the person you're with how you want them to respond, cause they're not mind readers.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, um, at the time when I was really struggling, um, I didn't even know like what I wanted or what I needed. Yeah. I was so disconnected from that. And so I think that that is something that like so many people do struggle with is, you know, it would be great to ask for, to ask for what we want or what we need. But if we're completely disconnected from ourselves, we're completely disconnected from what that request would look like. And so I feel like a lot of times, at least in my, in my personal experience, that being able to communicate like what I want or need in a situation happened sort of organically side by side as I was like self-discovering that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally, I I appreciate that. I agree. So now going to today, we've had this conversation before. I'm excited to have it on air so people can, can listen in to us just chatting about this, but you, you know, we're both in the the business of talking about body image and disordered eating like all day long. Like we (laughs) talk about it to our friends, (laughs) to our family, to our website, to our clients. Like it's just constantly. So my question for you is, do you feel like you've moved past the point of this stage of your life, like the food stuff, the body image stuff, or do you feel like, like you can be past it? Yes, you can be past it through it, like you've come to peace with it, but do you still feel like it's hard to completely move on because you spend so much time talking about it and it's still on your mind all the time? Like, granted, it's in a great way. You're positive about it. Like, you're... Mm-hmm helping people. You can look back on your memories without feeling pain necessarily. Instead, you feel a way to inspire others. But do you feel like because of the path that you're on with your business, there's almost a little bit of a resistance of, you know, I mean, literally there is resistance because you have to talk about it. So like, it's not like it can be in your past for good and it's never going to be brought up again. Part of your job is based on talking about this. So how do you feel about that?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting because I can remember like, as you were asking me that question, I just remembered back to, um, one of the first, one of the first like live group programs that I ever did when I started my coaching business. And I remember at the beginning, at the beginning of the first session, obviously like, you know, I was meeting with these eight women for the first time. And so I'm, I'm sharing a little bit about myself and I was sharing my story and I remember getting so choked up. It was like I was so emotional, and still so emotionally attached to my story because even though I had sort of moved moved past the struggle, I hadn't necessarily worked through um, all of like the emotional baggage that sort of comes with a struggle like that. And so I can remember just having this like huge frog in my throat and thinking like, "Don't cry, Simi. Don't cry. Like don't let the tears run down your face." But now when I talk about my story, there really, I mean, there really is no, like no emotional reaction that comes up in me other than gratitude that I'm so far past it that I can share, that I can share it with the same ease and comfort as I would share with you, like what I ate for breakfast this morning. So in, in that way, I can, I can definitely feel in my body that I have moved past it in in a way that wasn't really true for me like perhaps two years ago. So emotionally I feel as though I've moved past my my own personal my own personal struggle and the emotion that was attached to specific memories or even like the story more generally in my in my journey more generally. Um, but the conversation of of, you know, food struggle and body image. That obviously is a conversation that I find myself in, you know, very regularly, multiple times a day, um helping, you know, other women work through their own stories and the the emotion that comes up for them. Um and also just being part of this important message in this important community where where we are having these tough conversations about um about, you know, body positivity and healing our relationships with food and learning to live more fully in spite of the pressure that society puts on us as as women and also as men as well. So yes, in a way I've emotionally moved on from my story, but then in another way because of of this career and this path and this community, um, I'm sort of entrenched in those conversations constantly. And so for me, what I've found is that I have to, I have to make it a priority in my life to explore interests outside of this conversation and to explore like relationships outside of this conversation and really to make sure that I'm practicing what I preach when I talk about, you know, like living fully. I have to make sure that I'm creating a really full life that of course includes this very beautiful message and this work that I'm blessed to be doing, but also that I'm, you know, filling up like the other areas of my heart and my soul. And I think that the more that I do that and the further along in my journey that I get, the more that my business sort of reflects that as well. So as, as I change and as I evolve, which we all do, and there's, that you know, that's a it's a scary thing, but it's a beautiful thing as well. Um, that's a really cool thing of having your own business that basically is a reflection of you. Is that my business is changing and evolving? The conversations within that business are changing or and evolving. So even though there's always this, you know, underlying this underlying theme of our relationship with food. I've even noticed that a lot of my conversations with clients, where in the beginning they might have been very food focused, now are about so many other things. And we're able to see our relationship with food um, as you know a mirror to the rest of our lives and spending a lot more time talking about the rest of our lives. So that's something cool that happens as well. Have, Have you noticed that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like my clients come to me, I have all these food problems. Like I want to restrict or I want to binge. And we talk a lot about that in the beginning, but even by like the second, third, fourth session, we're talking more about their job or Mm -hmm. their relationship with their husband or that thing that happened whenever they were 15 or like tendencies or habits they want to break. Like food becomes almost the last thing we really talk about because, because as we all know, the food isn't the issue. There are all these other underlying issues. And when you target those, then the other things the other things work naturally, like food becomes less of your coping mechanism whenever what you were coping about in the first place gets solved or gets under control or comes to awareness totally. so i I agree with you, and at the same time, like when I think about it, even if I were to have a completely different job where it didn't require talking about body image and food all day long, this stuff would still be stuff in my life, yep, but yet if if that were the case, and I was doing whatever i was doing i wouldn't be having these amazing conversations to continually remind myself on a daily basis what body image and food freedom and all those things are all about so it would still be in my life but i wouldn't be continuously working on it now i work on it every single day cuz i talk <laughs> about it all the time and it's really a beautiful thing there of course there are some moments where i'm like the last thing i want to do today is talk about food and anything in regards to food and my body. And those are the days that I need to listen to myself and and get away from my computer for a bit and, and not talk about it. And just like take a break. Like I don't always have to be on guard. Especially I, I noticed this in particularly when I am introduced to people or my mom and, and me are hanging out and she sees a friend and she's like, Oh, this is my daughter, Madeline. She does blah blah blah. A lot of times you know, people think it's interesting. I don't know if you get this. Tell me if you get this, but people think when my mom says, or, or I introduce myself as a disordered eating coach, a body image coach, um, they go, Oh my gosh, can you help me lose weight? Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. And I'm like, no, actually I do the opposite. A lot of times I tell people, I'm like, no, I don't help people stop eating pop tarts. I help them start eating pop tarts. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I always say that, but I think it's an easy way for people to understand. Like I don't help people lose weight, get on a diet. Like that's not my thing. Um, I do the opposite, but then that even that can take you down this entire like hour long conversation. So I have to be careful when I'm out and about, I have to realize, am I in the mood to talk with strangers about this topic? If not, then I try to just kind of keep it vague and I'm like, Oh, I'm a coach. I'm a social entrepreneur. It's what I say a lot. Oh, I love
0: that. I love that tagline. Isn't it cool? I yeah, love it. Yeah,
1: that's great. I say I'm a social entrepreneur with an emphasis on disordered eating and body image. And that's like the long version. <laughs> but if I want to cut it short, I'm just a social entrepreneur. And that's, that's good. So I have to be careful sometimes whenever I'm out and about going to party because everyone does have a story. And some days I want to talk at the bar about these things, but other days it's the last thing I want to talk about. So I just have to be like careful when I want to turn that switch on and when I think it should be best be off for my own self care. Totally. Yeah. I, I also like love what you
0: said about being really like immersed in this work constantly means that we're constantly getting to work on ourselves. And I think something that like one of the reasons why I do feel so peaceful about like body image, my relationship with food and stuff is because I'm, you know, part, we are both part of this like positive dialogue every Mm -hmm. single day for the most part. And I take for granted that some people like aren't immersed in this positive dialogue. Like when, when someone talks about a new, a new diet to me, I there, you know, I don't even like give it a second thought because That's not, that's not like the constant, like ongoing dialogue that's going on in my life. But for other people, it's like, who may still be immersed in like mainstream, like, you know, diet culture that that's a totally different, that's a totally different story. It's a totally different conversation to be, you know, constantly like immersed in.
1: And when people come to you you say your clients, and they're asking you like I like how do I get to where you are? I want to be there I want to be on the other side mm-hmm. you know that is a whole nother conversation, but one that I think is so important to have because I've had to tell I've had quite a few clients that have experienced significant success they have come to a place of food freedom with you know, pangs and thoughts here and there of insecurity. And they come to me and say, Maddie, I ate too much food. The other night and I felt really guilty about it. Um, but I let it go about an hour later. I I talked through it with my husband. I talked through it with my friends. They understood they were caring. I put compassion on myself and I got through it and it was great. And is the next day I didn't restrict. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Holy cow, I am so proud of you. That is amazing. That is like a goal for so many people. That's still one of my personal goals to make sure I stay there in that place. Mm -hmm. But then they'll say to me, but how do I get to where you are? <laughs> and I'm like, girlfriend, you are there. Like, what, where I am right now, I, it's not to say I don't have these struggles, these, these thoughts of body insecurity or I feel puffy or I should eat less today or this or that. But it's that I can catch myself and I figured out tools to release that shame. And that insecurity. So, for this client, it's sharing with a husband or a friend. For me, it may be just like simply, I'm very good at working through things in my own mind. So, to me, I could just recognize what's going on, say that's silly, and move on. Mm -hmm. But that is my new coping mechanism, and it's beautiful and it's amazing, and it's always there for me, and it helps me. So, this person found their own mechanism, but they thought, well, it's still not good enough. It's still not good enough. Yes, you can get to a place where it's, you know, three minutes of feeling guilty, not an hour, because An hour still is pretty extensive, but it can be three minutes. It can be three seconds of feeling guilty and then moving on. But it's not to say that those things go away completely. For some people, totally. It can go away completely. I'm not saying that you can never, never have those thoughts. But for people who have a long line of many years of history with a disordered relationship with food, it's common that you'll still have thoughts here and there, right? Like it's still...
0: Totally, so natural. It still
1: comes up. It still comes up. So there is no absolute land of food perfection, because perfection doesn't exist, period. So even recovery, recovery will never be perfect. You will never land in this, you know, blissful state of 24 seven, 365 food freedom, where you never have another thought of insecurity or fear or frustration or anxiety. That still pops up. There's No, like crystal clear picture when you are there yet. Like, when am I there yet? I don't know. But you got to come to terms with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, like, something that was really big for me was when I was able to switch from a punishment to a nourishment mindset. So, let's say I would feel guilty about something, or I would have a day, you know, where I was more like critical with myself when my response to those thoughts. Because again, like you said, it's not about those thoughts never coming up. I mean, I, I'm sure there are some people who never have, who never have thoughts like that. I don't personally know any of them. I don't know, you know, any of like the great coaches in this area, any of the women who I work with, any of my friends, I don't know any, Anyone who doesn't have those thoughts pop up, myself included. But for me, it was noticing that my response to those thoughts could either be to punish myself and try and fix myself or to nourish myself, be kind to myself, loving to myself and say, like, what would, what would like a, what would a loving response be to this? Or, you know, what would, what would the kind thing to do be to this? And I guess it's always coming back to that place of, am I perfect? No. But am I enough? Yes. And so that for me was really huge. And something else that I, I always try and and share with with clients or like any opportunity that I get is that it's easy for it's easy for people to want to like be where we are or to hear hear our stories and to hear that we are in, you know, better, more peaceful places with ourselves and with Our bodies and with food. And, and that is wonderful. And it's easy to say, like, I want to be where you are, but also to remember that we're, we're all unique. We each have our own stories. We each have, um, things that work for us and things that don't work for us. We each have our own, you know, natural weight and natural body shape. And we each have our own gifts that, that we need to share. And we each have our own, um, lives that we have to live. And they are, they are different. And so rather than thinking about like wanting to be necessarily like where someone else is, I just love to encourage women to try and focus on like where they are in their own journey. And just trying to get a little bit, a little bit further along in that healing journey to get a little bit more loving with themselves, to take a little bit better care of themselves, to listen a little bit more deeply to what they need rather than like focus on, focusing on the external and making that their goal, but instead turning inward and saying like, okay, what, like, what do, what do I need more of? What do I need less of? Like, what is, what does this look like for me? And to know that like you're right where you need to be the healing comes with time and the perfection comes never. And that, that, that's actually like a great thing.
1: Exactly. And a sweet bonus is that your story, whoever's listening, your story, you know, as different as it may be from mine, it's going to help someone else later down the line when you're feeling open to sharing that story more than mine ever could. Like someone needs your story and is going to relate to it and it's going to help heal them and it's going to inspire them. So if you get to a point where you're like, I'm ready to share my story with my friend who's also experiencing some of the food struggles that I've went through for so many years, you're going to help them big time. And it's going to, you're going to feel inside yourself more healing happening with your own journey. It's just an amazing, beautiful ripple effect. I love it.
0: Totally. And we can all connect on, we can all connect to the emotions that come up, the fear, you know, the self-doubt, the love that like all of those things that come up as different as like the details of our stories might be, we can all connect like on an emotional level. And I think that's a really beautiful thing.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. So, uh, you know, I want to also talk on this other topic that I think is very unique, something I haven't really talked about on the podcast, I don't think, but pregnancy because you're pregnant. Yeah, I am. (laughs) How many weeks in? Are you?
0: I'm 23 weeks right now. I'm due September 3rd.
1: Oh my gosh, that is Okay, so this is your first baby? Yep. My first oh, baby. Oh, it's my so first exciting. non-fur baby. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so amazing. I I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy for you. I, oh my gosh, like being a parent. Whoa! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I'm sure you're ready. Like were you expecting this to happen?
0: Yeah, well, yes and no. So, because of all of because of all like the food issues that we've talked about earlier on um, on this on uh, this episode, I actually, I went off of birth control four years ago and suffered from post didn't have my period for two years, had a ton of hormonal imbalances that, you know, resulted from the way that I had been treating my body over many, many years. Um, and so saw a, an herbalist for many years and tried to get my period back and eventually got my period back. So I did like a ton of um, hormonal work, but was essentially told that I would probably have a very difficult time um, getting pregnant, and my husband and I we had a conversation um, like just around Thanksgiving, and I told him I was like, you know what, I feel like maybe we just maybe we just pull the goalie, maybe we just start and see what happens, and you know, like see like where it goes. I'm told it's going to take a long time. So maybe we just, you know, basically like stop using condoms and like see how long it takes and you know, it might take years and that'll be fine. But like, let's, I'd rather not wait until we're like really anxious to get pregnant because of like what my, what I had been told. So I felt like that would be a lot of pressure on me. So, um, anyways, we, we just, you know, stopped using, stopped using our birth control method. And two weeks later I found out I was pregnant. So it happened super quickly. So in a way, like we were, we were trying, but also we weren't expecting it to happen so quickly. So it was a very fast blessing.
1: (laughs) That's always how the best things happen. It's like no expectations, no attachments to the outcome, but then like, whoa, you're pleasantly surprised.
0: Totally. We were like, holy crap. I guess like, like not, not trying is totally trying.
1: (laughs) What are some of the amazing things about being pregnant?
0: Oh my gosh. Pregnancy is this wild is this wild time for me, at least I can't speak to anyone else's experience, but where I feel like I'm living in like an in-between reality. I, I don't, I don't know how to put it into better words than describing it as I'm living somewhere between like the external world and my life and my obligations and my to-do lists and you know, all of that stuff. And this incredibly like grounding internal energy that just pulls me like into my body constantly. And so it's this weird battle of being super like internally focused, but yet still needing to function like in the external world. And it's been really cool to feel, um, to feel so like grounded in my body. And because of that feeling, Um, I find myself just wanting to sit in silence a lot, which is not really my personality. Um, But I will – I'll just sit in a room in silence, like my bedroom or on the couch or even outside, like no music, no phone, no nothing, and just stare. And I could do this for like an hour and a half. It's the craziest thing. It's like my mind isn't even wondering. I'm just like totally – like relaxed and present and like don't need anything else. So that's been like really cool for me because I'm not someone who typically um, would appreciate sitting in silence for a very long time.
1: <laughs> is that a common thing amongst pregnant women? Like,
0: is this, I so is this you heard
1: I, I've, tr- I've talked to I've talked
0: to a couple of friends and they joke that it's my they joke that it's like my body knowing that like the silence is like about to come to an end, so I'm like, te- oh. like soaking up like every second of just like silence and like peacefulness. But um, we we're having a we're having a boy, we're having a son, and um, I it's funny because I don't really feel connected to him like as a baby like I can't imagine what he'll be like as a baby but it's really easy for me to imagine him as like a teenager or like a 20 year old person and I feel like when I imagine him he's like incredibly like grounded and like loves being in the outdoors and Mm -hmm. is super like very much like a thoughtful introvert and I, all of this could be, I mean, this is what I imagine. This is like what I'm like dreaming, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But if it is, then in a way, I feel like it's like his energy, like rubbing off on me.
1: Mm, Wow. That's very insightful of you, Simmy. We'll see. He could end up
0: being like a crazy extrovert like me and I could be totally off base. But that's, that's what I imagine when I, when I think about him. So that's That's been really cool. And also, I I have been pretty sick during my pregnancy, so um, suffered f- and still am from like some really serious like nausea and vomiting. And so another really like neat thing about being pregnant is just like needing to um, ask for more help, like from especially like from my husband, just with things that I would normally like take care of very easily. I just, it's not in my wheelhouse right now. And so it's been really, it's been really nice, like just to give up control in so many ways and ask for help and just like rely on the people around me who love me and support me. That's been, that's been really, really wonderful.
1: Mm, Good for you. I love that. It's a great piece of wisdom. So what about the opposite side? So maybe the not so great things related to body. Like I I don't, I'm so out of that world, um, So when it comes to, like, I'm wondering, is there, well, first of all, I have to ask this question because I've had some, some people ask me about this specifically and I have no wisdom at all, but what do you, do you have any anxiety or can you imagine what it would be like to have anxiety if you don't about your post-pregnancy body?
0: Yeah, I can, um, I can imagine what that would be, what that would be like. I don't, I'm not personally having a lot of, a lot of anxiety about that whole like you know get my body back like after baby based- and why
1: like why do you um, not I want to I want to people so
0: I think something that's like really interesting is I have I have um, a number of friends who have either just had babies or have like young children and these women like all they all like take such incredible care of themselves they all look. Amazing. They all describe feeling better in their bodies than they did before they had babies. And so for me, I think the dialogue around like post baby body, like in quotes, has been an incredibly positive dialogue in my life. And basically, like the women who, the women who are having these conversations with me feel awesome in their skin and aren't in any, they, they aren't talking about like wishing they looked like they did before they had a baby. So for me that that's definitely like one piece of it. I'm surrounded by women who, um, who seem to really appreciate and love their, their bodies after, um, after being pregnant. And so I think I'm like, well, it's just easy for me to imagine feeling that way. um, what I will say is that I felt I felt very uncomfortable during this pregnancy because of being so nauseous. My body actually hasn't changed a, a ton yet. So I haven't had to to deal with like seeing that change. My I mean my boobs like blew up. They're so huge. And that's kind of weird. Sometimes I like, I'll be changing and I'll catch myself in the mirror and I'm like, whoa, like what is going on here? But it's more like I'm just kind of staring at it in awe. Like, what? Is this me? Like, this is so weird. So there's definitely moments like that where you, like, not freaked out in a bad way, but you're just like, that's freaky. Like, that doesn't look like what I remember my body looking like. But because I felt so uncomfortable with the nausea and stuff, I do look forward to a time of feeling comfortable in my body again, of not feeling sick, not feeling nauseous, Um, so I definitely have, I definitely have that desire to get back to feeling like I did before getting pregnant in terms of like not wanting to throw up all the time. But, um, I think in in terms of the body thing, it's like my body is doing this incredibly like wild thing. It's doing it like all on its own. Essentially, it's this huge like miracle happening inside of me. And so I think like as those, like as those thoughts pop up, you know, like even like I mentioned, like catching a glimpse of myself in the mirror and just like not necessarily like recognizing something, I just have to remind myself, I'm like, okay, this is like weird, but my body knows what it's doing and sort of just submitting in a way to, um, to like the intelligence of the, of like the female body is sort of what I, what I've been trying to do and what I've been, thinking about um, but I definitely miss feeling um, not sick and I cannot wait to get back. I cannot wait to get back to that.
1: Mm, ew, yeah, I can't even imagine how oh, that nauseous feeling mm-hmm. all the time.
0: Totally. it's so it's so bizarre. But people when you I mean my experience has been that as soon as you as soon as you share that you are pregnant, People feel like your body is essentially like public property. So Mm -hmm. people will reach out and touch your stomach, even though, like I said, I'm, I'm, I don't have like, I'm, I'm not showing a ton yet. People will reach out and (laughs) touch my stomach. They will comment on my body. Like they will comment on the fact that like, I'm, I'm not showing yet or you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And so you feel like, in my personal experience, I feel like people are staring at my body more now than they ever have before. And that is, to me, that's uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I don't love people reaching out and touching my body. And I don't love people like eyeing my body up and down. That's a very like weird and uncomfortable thing.
1: How do you, how do you handle that? Like, I mean, if you can ex- explain, like, how how do you yeah. even do that? Cause I, I would feel, I would feel uncomfortable and mm-hmm. it's your body, it's your business, but it seems like that's kind of a cultural thing. It's kind of an accept fact that if you're pregnant, people have the right to, to stare at you or touch. Yeah. Them.
0: It's so, it's just the most bizarre thing. Um, I, I would say, well, one, like if someone reaches out to touch my belly, and I'm, and they haven't like asked or I'm not expecting it. I jump, like I jump back. And I mean, I think like if you think about and, like any person who's not pregnant, if someone reached out to touch your stomach, like it would be a natural response to like jump back, right? Like mm-hmm. it's very like that's such an invasive like reach, <laughs> like right? Like, oh, there's so many like vital organs in your stomach and stuff. I think we're, I think we're programmed to not like want people to like reach out and touch us there. Um, so I, I mean, it's not uncommon for me to like physically like jump back. If someone asks first, if they can, if they can touch my stomach, I'm more comfortable like guiding their hand there to touch, you know, to touch like where the baby is. So I just try and be like gracious in that way. Like if it's someone who I know, but if it's someone who hasn't asked, typically like I jump away from them. Um, and in terms of the, like, in terms of, like, the comments about, you know, my body or how, like, my baby bump, you know, looks or, or whatever it might be, just people feeling, like, really free and comfortable to comment on my body, um, I just really, really, really try and not let any of it, like, sink in. So whether it might be, like, a perceived compliment, like – oh my gosh, you don't look like, you know, you don't look like you've gained any weight or you're not even showing yet, like said as a compliment. The funny thing is that that actually has been like one of like the hardest things for me to hear because I like, I, you know, I was looking forward to having that like bump and, you know, you kind of get excited about like looking pregnant and feeling pregnant and that kind of thing. So I just try and sort of let that like roll off of, roll off of my shoulders and just like thank them or say like, oh, you know, Thank you so much and let it go, which is what I typically do with people's opinions that I find to be like hurtful or unnecessary. I just thank them and then in my mind I say, like, and I release you. Like I just sort of release (laughs) it so that I'm not carrying it around um, with me. But basically, that would, I would say that's the way that I've tried to that I've tried to um, deal with it. And also just to remind myself constantly that um, like I mentioned before, just that we all are unique and we each have our own journey and I have my own body and my body is doing like the best that she can. And she's going to, you know, figure this out and my pregnancy is going to look different from, from someone else's. But um, I would say just kind of protecting like my heart above everything else by like releasing By releasing like comments about my body or like releasing like stares at my body or things like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think this is great wisdom for people that are either expecting or are not pregnant like me at all. Like not even a little bit, but like, no, one day it could happen and they can remember this. But also the other side of the coin, if you're the person talking to a pregnant person, like maybe now you can you have more understanding on what it feels like to have someone just touch your belly or to comment on your body and be more aware when you're talking to someone that's pregnant like those comments aren't really helpful and you don't know what's going on in their life and their journey so don't comment on people's bodies maybe ask first if you can touch their belly if you really want to um like depending on how familiar you are with someone but yeah remember that that you know, the other side and what could be going on in that person's mind and how you would like to be treated if you were pregnant.
0: Totally. I think it's, I, I think it's important to remember that like, I think when we get pregnant as women, people look at us and they like see the baby, right? Like they forget almost that like, we're still, it's still our body on the outside. um, And so I think it's easy to sort of like overlook the pregnant woman as like still being a woman. And still being, like, an individual and still having feelings and all that stuff. And it's really easy for us to just be like, oh, my gosh, like, baby. Which, of course, like, it's wonderful. There is a baby in there. And that's, like, such a – that's such a beautiful miracle. But also to remember that there's this, you know, this human who's lived, like, many, many years on this earth and mm-hmm. has, like, experiences in her body and stuff. And that it's – I think it's just – um it's, like, a good – it's a it's a good thing to just remember that and be respectful of that and like ask before you touch someone unless you're like have an incredibly like close intimate relationship with them and even just like ask them rather than like commenting on their experience like be curious about like what they're experiencing and what they're feeling and i mean people who like ask me questions i i love that i'm so happy to to share and talk about but when someone sort of like makes snap judgments about my experience that's what doesn't feel quite as quite as good to me
1: I can completely agree or imagine. Yeah, <laughs> um, totally. Yeah, I love it. I love that insight. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on the show. We have a quick fire round to get to. But before we do that, let everyone know where they can connect with you online.
0: Absolutely. You can find me at um and on social media at Simi Bodich.
1: Awesome. So quick fire round time. Woo-hoo-hoo. I'm ready, I think. <laughs> You'll do great.
0: Perfect. You will do awesome.
1: Okay, first, <laughs> what is your favorite color? Yellow. What are two material things you cannot live without? Two material things that I can't live without. Um, I feel
0: like probably my iPhone, which is like with me all the time, and a really comfortable pair of shoes
1: if you had to choose between living by the moon for the rest of your life or living by the sun for the rest of your life, which one would you pick the sun beach or mountains beach? (laughs) (laughs) What is a must read book? Something we all need to get.
0: Um, spirit junkie is my most read book. I've probably, I mean, I feel like I reread it like twice every year by Gabby Bernstein.
1: What does body freedom mean to you?
0: It means feeling comfortable in my own skin and it means being able to say yes to opportunities and experiences in my life without feeling held back by um, by limiting or negative beliefs that I have about my body.
1: If you could interview anybody, who would it be?
0: If I could interview anybody. Dead or alive? <laughs> Mandy Moore. She's like my celebrity, like my celebrity BFF, and I would love to interview her.
1: Really? That is (laughs) so interesting. I love Mandy Moore so much. (laughs) I love that. You know, um, so I'm assuming you love A Walk to Remember. Love it. (laughs) You're gonna hate me, but that's like one of my least favorite movies. What is it about it that you don't like? Do you not like that she sings in it? (laughs) Honestly, I cannot pinpoint it. It's like something about that movie. Like, I don't know what it is. And I I feel silly for it. But it's just I don't know.
0: I feel like I like some of her her like more, like more newer stuff, like License to Wed, and Because I Said So even more than I walked to Remember. So maybe – or like Saved. Have you watched those? I don't
1: think so. Okay, give
0: those a try and then tell me what you think of Mandy Moore. Okay, okay.
1: <laughs> What's a future dream you're working towards?
0: Um, well, I have a book idea, and I signed up for the Hay House Writers' Convention next weekend. So I'm going to go to Chicago in like a week and a half to – start working on my book proposal so a future dream would be to uh write a book
1: oh my gosh i just got goosebumps i hope uh, yes it's gonna happen for you i'm (laughs) so i'm so excited and then you'll have to tell me about it because that's one of my dreams and yeah i need to get started on that but that is so cool i'm so excited for you thank you so much what's your favorite way to unwind at the end of a long day Um, I
0: love getting into bed at the end of the night with my husband and our two dogs, Harrison and Oliver. We just like all lay on our bed and snuggle. And basically like, we just look at the dogs and talk about like how cute they are for like, and that feels, it's like, there's something about the being all of us on the bed that feels so safe. Like it's just like the safest, like happiest place in the entire
1: world. So my favorite thing, my favorite, favorite thing every single day, like, almost my favorite thing in this whole world is when i get in the bed first and then i call my little nina Mm -hmm. who's like this six pound little papillon huge ears the cutest cutest thing ever but i'm like nina come on and then she'll jump on the bed and she'll see me like underneath the covers and she'll run like bounce up in the air and like get so excited to see we're under the covers now and she just like snuggles up right underneath my chin and it's just the cutest thing ever. that melts my heart i love it oh makes me so happy Um, okay. What is the best movie you've watched in the past month?
0: Um, I just, I, I just watched the movie about, um, like the, with the Catholic church. I don't know why I'm like blanking on the name of it, but how they had like, it was like the molestations in the Catholic church. And then they did like the Nobel, like the Nobel award-winning, um, like news research on it. And I completely blanking on the name. But it was so good. Well,
1: sounds good. Um, currently, what's your favorite meal?
0: Um, my favorite meal right now is a baked sweet potato topped with hummus and sauerkraut and one fried egg. Is that so oh, weird? Oh,
1: That sounds delicious. So good. I have to make that. Totally. Oh, and the movie's called Spotlight. Oh, my Spotlight. Pregnancy,
0: my pregnancy brain blocked it out, but there it is. Spotlight's so good. Okay.
1: Everyone check it out. Um, if you could challenge everyone listening to this to let go of something, what would it be?
0: To let go of trying to fix yourself.
1: It's beautiful. I love it. What is the next country on your list that you want to visit?
0: The next country on my list to visit is Italy. Oh, beautiful.
1: All right, last question. Um uh, your closet. Is it yes. min- minimalistic or is it packed? Minimalistic. I just did a capsule wardrobe earlier this year. Oh, so it's like super so cool. dialed. <laughs> so cool. I love it. Um, are you on Snapchat I'm not. I, oh, Katie,
0: Katie tried to like show me how to use it and it was so confusing to me that I was like, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't even do this.
1: It's <laughs> so easy. You need to go on YouTube and look for a Snapchat tutorial because I feel like you'd be really fun to follow. And I, I was asking because I've had another person on the show, Melissa Ambrosini, and she was talking about how she has a nice like closet nice and neat. And I asked her to do like a Snapchat tour of her closet and she did it. So I was going to ask you to do it because I want to see your closet. It's like kind of fun now. I was like asking people if I can see their closet. If
0: I can figure out Snapchat, it'll be the first thing that I snap. I promise. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me
1: know immediately so I can follow you and then you can, you can do it. Okay. Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, again, Thank you so much for coming on the show, Simi. This has been so much fun. Um, you are a gem and I, I felt like this conversation was just so natural. So I just, I love, I love chatting with you.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. It was such a treat.
1: Everyone, if you want to get the show notes for this episode, you want to check out all of her links and um, get a link to her uh, program, all that good stuff. It'll be on my website. You can just go to Moon.com slash Simi dash And you will see that right there. And this is episode 102. And I'll still be on my travels right now in Southeast Asia. So definitely follow me on my website, my newsletter, my email list. I would love to catch up with you over there. And in the meantime, y'all just dwell on these, or I guess marinate on these amazing um, tidbits and lessons we learned today. And I'll see y'all next week.